The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. How do the brain and mind interrelate? Is the term mind interchangeable with the word soul? And what is the real reality, this dimension or the next? Welcome to IONS NDE Radio, brought to you by the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. Almost everyone who has experienced an NDE has a clear understanding that their brain was not the agent of intelligence as they passed out of their bodies, traveled to other places in this world and the next, and had experiences unexplainable by a body and a brain and trauma. For example, a patient in the operating room has a sudden heart attack and dies. Their consciousness leaves their body, watches for a while as the doctors try to CPR the heart back into action, then travels into the family room down the hall where relatives are grieving. Later, when the patient recovers, she tells the doctors what they did and said and repeats the family conversation they overheard. Such experiences are are called veridical because they offer evidence that cannot be explained by the actions of a dying brain. Clearly, another vehicle of intelligence is at work here. Our guest on NDE Radio today is Robert Mays, who, together with his wife Suzanne, has been thinking about and researching this mind-brain connection for more than 35 years. Besides his role as an officer on the board of directors at IONS, Robert is a former award-winning software engineer for IBM and has taught chemistry at a number of Waldorf schools. Despite this background in science, however, he has decided that the traditional scientific way of approaching these questions, which is investigating the brain's workings in the physical world as the starting point, leaves too much out of the picture. In this you-can't-get-there-from-here realization, Robert and Suzanne have focused on reports of NDEs, as the enlightening path toward gaining an understanding of the relationship between brain and mind. Robert, welcome to NDE Radio. Thank you, Lee. Uh, Robert, before before we get into your research, two weeks ago you hosted a symposium in New York City titled A Journey to Heaven and Back, featuring Eben Alexander, Anita Morjani, and Lorna Byrne. What came out of that conference? Well, it was it was very successful uh, uh, interaction. I was a moderator. I gave a, a, a talk at the beginning, and then Evan gave his a talk about his experiences. Um, I interviewed uh, Lorna Byrne, and uh, and then uh, Anita Morjani um, gave uh, her talk, and um, then we had a panel discussion, which I led, uh, uh, and then we had sharing of near-death experiences at the end uh, from people in the audience, and uh, it was very successful, uh, had a lot of good interactions in the panel discussion between um, Lorna, uh, Anita, and Evan, so it was very, it was very um, interesting for the audience, I think. Was there any discussion of the nature of consciousness? Uh, no, not really. We were we were focusing on heaven. So uh, 
we were not focusing on that. I, I did touch about uh, on that in my talk a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, Robert, two years ago, you and Suzanne wrote a very interesting paper titled A Theory of Mind and Brain That Solves the Hard Problem of Consciousness. And I wonder if you could give our listeners a taste of what that's about. Right. Well, the the hard problem of consciousness is how to explain how uh, consciousness can come about uh, from the uh, uh, operation of the brain, the electrical activity in the brain, uh, which uh, is, are, are just uh, what, what are called action potentials, um, electrical uh, impulses that, that occur in the neurons of the brain. How does that turn into, how can that turn into something that is uh, our subjective experience of the world? Uh, perceptions and feelings and thoughts. And uh, that is a, f- philosophically and also scientifically, that's very hard to explain. Uh, and uh, so, so the hard problem uh, is how to explain phenomenal experience uh, from the electrical activity of the brain. And we, had, we work, uh, you know, based on... Uh, the near-death experience, and also shared death experiences, uh, looking at what is happening to consciousness. And uh, as you said in the introduction, consciousness appears to separate from the, from the body in a near-death experience. And also in shared death experiences, the, the people who are attending a dying person observe the same thing. They can observe uh, a kind of grayish mist uh, separating from the body at the time of death and also be out of their bodies themselves with the person who is dying and, uh, and, and actually go through a number of the elements of a near-death experience. So both of these uh, phenomena have, have uh, uh, good evidence, uh, strongly suggestive evidence that consciousness uh, is an entity and it separates from the body and brain. Uh, and so that is the, the heart of our theory uh, that uh, mind is a, a kind of energetic um, field uh, and uh, has a physical interaction with uh, uh, physical processes in the world, uh, but, the, but the mind is an entity that is the seat of consciousness of a person, the essence of the person. Uh, people say, well, is that the soul or is that the spirit of the person? Well, those are terms that people can use, and, and we are talking about the phenomenon, so we can give it any name we want, and we're, we chose the word mind because that's less uh, has less uh, connotations uh, of religious, na- uh, religious nature. Yes. So our theory is that the, the mind is bound to the brain tightly, when we're in our bodies, when, you know, in ordinary consciousness, the mind is working with the brain. Uh, if there's a trauma uh, or injury uh, or illness, then the mind can separate, and that's uh, the near-death experience. Uh, and then afterwards, uh, after the uh, person comes back to their body, then the mind reunites with the brain, with the brain and body, but doesn't quite fit in exactly the way it used to be, and so there are after-effects. You have, uh, I was going to say, uh, on your website, you have a chart that shows um, 
interlocking circles of uh, brain and consciousness and um, have and both the brain and the consciousness and their part of um, the circle have their own abilities and then there's this overlapping ability and I thought that was a very neat um, visual for what you're talking about right well it, we've we in in looking at how consciousness works in ordinary consciousness uh, there's a, a, a very intimate connection and interdependence between uh, what what is subjectively uh, experienced and what is happening in the in the uh, neurons of the brain, uh, neurological processes. So uh, there's a very clear um, overlap in ordinary consciousness that the mind uh, is working with the with the brain. Uh, intimately, and uh, there are specific areas of the brain where there is uh, where certain activity occurs, and there is a corresponding uh, subjective experience. And so, those areas must be uh, connected with the uh, with the mind. Uh, the mind must be connected with those areas in order for there to be that subjective experience. So, it's a very intimate. Uh, uh, Union of the mind and the brain in ordinary consciousness, and that's why that's why uh, our consciousness is so dependent upon the brain, the brain's operations. And when the brain's, you know, when there's uh, trauma to the brain, when there's uh, lesions in the brain, and so on, there are deficits, uh, uh, cognitive deficits, uh, because the mind doesn't have that part of the brain to work with. Um, and this also kind of implies that there is some sort of interaction, and and you could say, well, how could something that's not material, the mind, interact with something that's very material, the neurons of the brain? And and uh, well, we have we've done a number of um, you know investigations through uh, experimentation among, uh, uh, for one on one part, and and also looking at the literature. And there's quite a number of, uh, quite a bit of evidence that the mind, uh, this mind entity, uh, energetically can interact with physical uh, processes. Uh, in fact, we've found evidence uh, in NDEs that uh, this, where the a person can uh, tickle, an, a person who's out of the body in an NDE can tickle somebody. And they can, and they will respond or react to it. Uh, they can be seen by animals. Um, the entity, even though it's invisible to normal uh, people's sight, uh, can be seen, for example, by a dog. Uh, that um, there's uh, when they, when a person in an NDE passes through a wall, frequently, not every every time. Uh, they will feel, they they sense that there's a slight difference in in um, density in, in in passing through the wall, so that they have this sense that they're interacting with with uh, physical matter, but it is very subtle and it's uh, obviously not usually felt by somebody in their body um, when it's when they're interacting, um, and these interactions have an electrical quality. Uh, so all of these things, and of course, uh, a near-death experiencer is experiencing things in the in the physical realm, which is dependent upon physical light and uh, and hearing things uh, like uh, monitor beep, monitors beeping, which are dependent upon uh, 
sound waves. So these are also physical interactions. So, so the mind does interact, can interact with physical processes. It's a very subtle interaction, but that's all that's needed in, in interacting with neurons in the brain. It's always, it's always seemed to me that um, the brain is almost an enemy of mystical experience because it's designed and oriented toward our survival in the three-dimensional world uh, that we live in and uh and doesn't want us to die and uh, of course that that's the world of the of the um conscious mind is is really the next world the spiritual world so in defense of the body the brain excludes to me it's it seems like uh a lot of the a lot of our potential for mystical experience and visions of the other side and we almost have to disable the brain in order to experience that yeah or we may need to um, develop our capacities as human beings to to transcend the body. Uh, I think that we, when we are here on Earth, uh, we have a purpose. We have things to learn. We have things to do, uh, and um, to develop ourselves. and And that's a very important thing. That's what end of years are always saying that they they are sent back because. They have something to do, uh, and uh, and so there is a reason why uh, why why they're sent back, and of course that implies there's a reason why we're here, and uh, so and and I think it's reasonable to say that uh, part of that reason is for us to develop the capacities that will uh, in in the body with our brains and you know with with our physical uh, life to to show well what the end of years say to show more love and to to gain knowledge and these are these are things that uh, the end of years say and it makes perfect sense so I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't say that uh, you know the brain is you know holding us back I I think that the the brain gives us something that we have to work through and that that's part of what we're supposed to be doing. Your your observation about the dog being able to see the the spirit the consciousness um, you have a footnote in your paper that I had um, circled because uh, and let me read it Jerry Casebolt recounted his NDE at age seven when he hovered above and just out of reach of a dog on a playground with the dog repeatedly wagging its tail jumping up and down and barking at him they looked into each other's eyes Jerry was moving up and down. Uh, to the sides, and they move together like a dance. I thought that was really interesting. Right. <laughs> yeah, that that his his NDE was really quite remarkable. Uh, he's the one who tickled the. Uh, in another part of his experiences, he was he was accompanied by an angel, is what he said. Uh, and uh, the angel was, you know, he was wandering through the hospital, and he came across a, a ward where there were patients there sitting around, and. He went up to one one person who was really um, just jab- jabbering away, probably with dementia, and uh, he he tickled the the woman's nose and and she sneezed and he did that several times and <laughs> so there was a there was a physical interaction as well and, yeah and the the issue with the dog yeah that's what that's what a dog will do you know if you're playing around with a dog in in, in your body but you know. Clearly, the dog was 
was uh, doing this, uh, reacting to him, and, uh, and, it, and, and the barking and the jumping up and down frightened the other children on the playground, and uh, the angel said, okay, that's enough of that, and, and uh, Jerry had to go somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, dogs have a reputation for also responding to ghosts in a, in a haunted house, for example, um, and it, sometimes it's uh, with fear. I mean, the their hackles will rise and they'll bark if at something that normal people can't see. Um, do you, what? How would you compare the nature of ghosts to the nature of uh, our consciousness? Well, it seems they certainly seem to be similar. Uh, there's a, a number of phenomena, and that's one of the things that uh, led us to say, well, you know, the ghosts uh, could easily be discarnate. Uh, Individuals who have, you know, are still in the physical plane. And that's what uh, NDEers report. Um, George Ritchie's NDE, uh, the first part of it, when, where he met Christ and, uh, and the Christ was saying, you know, taking him on a tour, the first place they went was to a, a city, uh, some place where there were, he saw how discarnate, um, people um, were interacting with the uh, with the living people and uh, where and, and of course the discarnate people couldn't be seen and um, and they had all kinds of uh, interactions uh, uh, a mother was berating her son her grown-up son and of course you know probably what she did in life and uh, and of course the son couldn't hear her uh, there was a young boy, a teenage boy, who was pleading with his girlfriend to forgive him. He had committed suicide, and she didn't hear him. Uh, there's those kinds of interactions which are suggestive that uh, the the ghosts that we, uh, you know, people sometimes see or apparently see um, uh, are real, and that the dog interacting with seeing something and, 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 and reacting in a fearful way um, is probably the same thing. Hmm. My, uh, my brother had an experience years ago when he was in college that he told me about where he, um, he was asleep and he uh, was dreaming, he thought, about a friend in another state. And um, the next morning he got the phone call from his friend saying, what were you doing last night? I woke up and I saw you standing at the foot of my bed. Right. Yes. That's that's um, that's an, uh, there's a very famous uh, out of body experience. The same same sort of thing where um, a, a woman in England, uh, her husband was on a ship and she was concerned about him and and um, showed up in the stateroom where he was. Uh, Staying and um, and uh, there was a fellow that was with uh, with him. This was in the 1800s, and um, he said, "You know, well, there was this woman in the room, <laughs> quite unusual. Um, to know who she was, but it was mm-hmm. his wife, the, wow. the man's wife. So there, there was, yeah. So that that sort of thing does uh, happen. At least it's reported. Those kind of out of body experiences through dreams, yes. And that's also suggestive of you know the mind separating even even when we're asleep. 
Do you see uh, the exploration of consciousness going to now, today, more in the direction that, that you're looking at it from, or are people still harping about the dying brain and the, the closing down of the optic nerve and all of these physical uh, manifestations that they're attributing near-death experiences to? Well, that, those are still uh, brought forward. Uh, there's a recent book um, by um, Gerald Worley, uh, just published, uh, Illusory Soul, where he's making that argument. Uh, and uh, we uh, feel that that really is not um, a very um, sound argument. And, and Bruce Grayson has uh, wrote about this in a chapter in the um, Handbook of Near-Death Experiences, um, that physiological factors are, <clears throat> are not uh, explanatory of near-death experiences because, um, just briefly, they're superficially like a near-death experience, but they do not have the ultra-real of some elements of near-death experience, but they don't have uh, the ultra-real nature of the experience. And um, so there are, uh, and, and, and the, for any particular physiological factor, we can cite dozens or hundreds of cases where that physiological factor is not there, and yet there's a near-death experience with all of the elements. So uh, the physiological factors only explain, you know, one or two elements, and, and having all of the physiological factors is practically, well, it would be, is impossible, and, and you can't find a case where, where somebody has all of the elements of a near-death experience, but not even some of the uh, uh, physiological factors. Um, and, and so it's much more uh, reasonable to say that there are, mo- that these physiological occurrences, cardiac arrest and so on, are triggers for uh, the experience, <clears throat> but they don't explain that they are not the cause of the experience. The cause of the experience, in our view, is that the mind separate. The mind is an entity that separates from the body, and, uh, and that can occur by, be triggered by a number of factors, but, and, and most of them physiological, but, but those factors aren't the cause of what, what the experience is. Um, and, and what's common among all near-death experiences appears to be that this separation of consciousness. Yeah, and, the, and, uh, and this, yeah, go ahead. I was going to, going to, well, no, you finish because I had a, a little bit different question. Go ahead. No, I, I'm done. Oh. <laughs> okay. Uh, I was wondering if you, since you've started thinking about these things, if you've noticed a change in... Um, the various denominational points of view about near-death experience, because for a long time, uh, churches seem to be opposed to uh, any consideration of NDEs. Right. There, there are, um, there are uh, a couple of aspects of that. Uh, first of all, some, some uh, Christian Christians. Uh, pastors and so on, feel that, uh, well, this NDE is, is true because, you know, look, uh, the person saw Jesus and the person, uh, you know, had these experiences, all of which are biblical and, uh, you know, supported by biblical passages, and there's nothing in it that isn't biblical. Um, 
and uh, and others say, well, it you know, it's all the work of the devil, and uh, and these things are really uh, near death experiences appear to be, um, you know, finding a common ground among. Uh, religions. Uh, I, I was just uh, listening to the talk that Mary Neal gave at the conference, a uh, video of it, and uh, and she said that uh, you know that there is one God, and it is God of all people. And uh, whether you're uh, in the United States or Afghanistan or China, it is one God, and that's you know clearly what she. She experienced her, her near-death experience, and that is what um, other, you know, near-death experiences are saying. That it, that the the reality that they experience is is really the spiritual reality that is common for all of us, and uh, and so the the differences in religion, you know, well. People need to come to their own conclusions about it, but it sure seems like that is a, a better way. It, 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 it kind of unites all religions, uh, and and that and that's really the response to that. One so of the remarkable things about the new pope is that he seems to be saying the same thing: that it's uh, if you have the capacity to love, he said, even atheists will, you know, he'll see them on the other side. Was the way he put it. Yes, and in fact, that is <laughs> that is the message of near-death experiences, uh, that we are here to, to learn to love and to love, and, uh, and that's the message that, you know, the being of light gives to the near-death experiencer. You know, have you loved the way I am loving you now? Um, and 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 that is the essence of it. And uh, um, the near death experiences, sir, says, "Well, no, I'm just a human being." Well, uh, the being of light says, "Well, you can do better." <laughs> and, and we certainly can. And we oh. certainly can. <laughs> Robert, be, before we run out of time, tell um, our listeners how they can find your research online and how they might get in touch with you if they have uh, some questions. Right. Well, our uh, uh, website is selfconsciousmind.com, spelled out, selfconsciousmind, uh, all one word, uh, dot com. And... Um, and our research papers are there. The theory of mind uh, and brain that solves the heart problem is there. A couple of videos are, are featured there, and uh, contact information is there. So that's where they should go. Okay. Maybe you could tell them a little about our IONS website, too. Oh, wow. <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, our IONS.org, IONS.org, I-A-N-D-S.org. Uh, we have a lot of information there. Uh, you need to spend some time and, and uh, you know, search the menus and, and see things. Uh, the most popular part of our, our website is the, are the NDE stories, and we are posting them um, uh, several times uh, a month 
uh, hopefully uh, the office is getting up to date with that. And um, and also we have uh, videos uh, that are linked from there. We have a, an IN's um, YouTube channel, which is IN's Videos, I-A-N-D-S-V-I-D-E-O-S, uh, IN's Videos, and... Um, and there are a lot of, there's a lot of other information. And of course, we encourage people to join because, uh, IANS because there is, uh, there are a lot of benefits from, on the website, uh, that you can get. Uh, and also there are, uh, gifts that you can get when you join. So at, at certain levels. So, um, we would like people to visit our website. It's, it's, it's a great resource. It is, and you carry a lot of news about I, uh, about NDEs as well. Yes, yeah, uh, ongoing news, and there's there's uh, a lot of good news, uh, things that aren't yet even on the <laughs> website. There's a book, uh, uh, which is unfortunately all uh, just just now uh, only in Dutch, uh, written by Titus Rivas and Rudolf Schmidt about. Um, they 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 uh, are recounting 78 veridical uh, uh, NDEs NDEs with veridical perceptions that ha- uh, where there has been a third party uh, confirmation of them and of course many people know uh, the the common ones the the famous ones Maria Shu and uh, Al Sullivan and uh, and some recent ones Dr Lloyd Rudy. Um, and uh, so that's that's there, and uh, we're going to write a, an article about that. And um, yeah, and and there's uh, new upcoming news about the Aware study, uh, which is uh, very preliminary results have now been published, and uh, and hopefully we can get some more details, and we'll write a, uh, an article about that. So there's a lot of that's, good news that is that's there. That's great. Well, we're out of time, Robert. I want to thank you for uh, being our guest today on NDE Radio. And uh, to tell the folks that if you'd like to listen to this program again, it'll be archived along with our other shows at nderadio.org. Check out the IANS website, iands.org. We'll be back next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern for more NDE Radio. Thanks for listening. <laughs>